church. I want to welcome all of you across our network. I want to welcome those tuning in online. I want to welcome the men at Kiwanee Center, our crew at Rock Island, and everybody here at the Bettendorf campus. If you're a rowdy, rowdy bunch here this morning, if you're a guest with us, I especially want to welcome you. My name's Sean, and I have the privilege of being part of the ministry team here. And today, we're continuing a conversation about how Jesus, and what we celebrated at Easter, positions us to live in freedom. That we're free to live, we're free to love. And we're specifically looking today at how we are free to be. Free to be. See, we make decisions in life that seem harmless or inconsequential, but actually position us in places we never intended to go, in circumstances we never wanted to be in in the first place. I think many of us can identify with that. In fact, it's kind of like this man in this 30-second commercial. Check this out. When your cable goes out, you get stressed. When you get stressed, you need to get away. When you need to get away, you go for something exotic. When you go for something exotic, you get bitten by something exotic. When you get bitten by something exotic, things swell up. When things swell up, you can't go home. And when you can't go home, you become a local fisherman they call Big Fatty Face. Don't become a local fisherman they call Big Fatty Face. Get rid of cable and upgrade. Now, listen, we may never end up in quarantine in an exotic place or end up being Fatty Face Fishman. But we do make decisions that lead us into circumstances and into relationships and places we never intended to go because we forget who we're supposed to be in the first place. But because Jesus didn't stay dead, because he rose from the grave, we can be freed from that. We're free to be because of that. Now, you may be already asking yourself, free to be what? And that's a fair question, because the answer determines how we live today, how we live tomorrow, even how we live into eternity. And the world tells us to be a a whole bunch of different things, tells us to be different things. In fact, one of the more familiar statements we come across in life is that we are free to be, can you finish this? Free to be me. Ever heard that? This isn't a fill-in, this is just a quick reference, so some of you are looking to just hang with me, this is free to be me. Like, we're just free to be me. Now, that sounds great, but that's a little unclear what that's supposed to be. The world says you're free to be you. Free to be me? I I don't quite understand that. But the world tells us just to be you. Here's another more familiar statement that comes out of literature. Maybe you can finish this one as well. To be or not. There you go. Good job. To be or not to be. That's true. We either are or we are not. But still the question remains, be what? Be what? Now, most of the time, people will grab a hold of something and determine that's what they're supposed to be. In fact, many times it latches on to something in culture or even just in a, in a community group. And In fact, there's a very familiar line out of a song that many people latch on to their purpose for what, is, what they are to be in life. And here's, here's this. This is what most of you can probably finish. Don't worry. Be. There you go. That meant people. That's the power of music. I got to tell you. Don't worry. Be happy. That sounds great. Even our country prioritizes life, liberty, and the pursuit of? There you go. But listen, that's not exactly what God intended when he sets us free. Free in Jesus. See, when we're identified in Jesus, we are free to be. The question becomes, though, free to be what? And it's not a fatty fish face fisherman. (laughs) And today we're going to look and see that essentially we're free to be two things. 
Two things, that if we're willing to live into them, they will radically change the way we relate to God and the way we relate to each other. You know, recently I was asked to provide some biographical information to my high school alma mater. Crazily enough, somehow I got nominated as a distinguished alumni, which is just ridiculous because I was not a very stellar student. (laughs) But apparently this thing's all about what you do after high school, so that's okay. But I had to write this biography, a single-page biography, and I struggled with it because, one, I'm trying to think back through three decades of information but also just trying to summarize that kind of journey in in one particular document. Now, I don't know if you're like me or not, but I don't like talking about myself, let alone writing it down for people to read. Maybe you're like that, but I had to create this one-page biography to submit, and it was difficult for me. And I wondered if if you had to take the time to write a one-page biography of yourself, what would make that biography? What would you include? What 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 would make the list? Well, let me simplify it, and let's just say, if you had to identify right now today who you are today in a few words, how would you do that? Who you, who you are. Maybe you would identify education, maybe credentials, maybe your job, your, your occupation, vocation, maybe family. There's all kinds of things we can use to identify who we are, and none of them are necessarily inherently bad. But when they become the primary definition for who we are, the focus of who we are, well, then they actually can be. Because God does not primarily look at those things when he looks at who we are and our effectiveness and our obedience. God has a totally different standard for when he looks at us. And it's essentially what we do with love. It's one of the reasons that Jesus gave a new command. You may recall this. It's from the the book of John. He says this, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So in, in these few statements, Jesus has laid the foundation that people will know we, are his, by his, know we are his disciples by our love. That's the mark of the believer. And he is not talking about a rule here. He's talking about a relationship. This is more about identity than it is about task. When Jesus is our Lord and Savior, well, now we live differently. We no longer live for ourselves. We live for him. And what he has called us to do is to live out that love relationship where we are free to be in him. We're free to be who we were created to be in the first place. But let me give you a secret to this as we lean further into the conversation. God does not measure quality by quantity. Our God does not measure quality by quantity. He is not most pleased by what we do for him, but by what we do with him. God does not measure quality by quantity, but rather by proximity. God measures quality by proximity. By what? Proximity. Proximity. It's the idea of being with. We just got done seeing that Jesus said that the mark of the believer is love. And love really defines who we are. Who we love, who loves us, even those who refuse to love us, all that impacts who we are. And love is the thing that frees us to be. And over the last few weeks, as we looked at the reality we're free to love and we're free to live... It's helped us understand and really see this reality play out, that God does not define quality by quantity, but by proximity. Let me just take you back to where we've been in this journey. And if you've missed the last couple weeks, this won't make any sense to you right now. But hang with me. I want to do a quick insight to what it is. If you want to know more about it, just get online and see what you missed in the last two weeks. 
But let me just describe this for a moment. See, God makes himself known to us out of his love for us. He creates us out of love to love him and to love others. But he makes himself known. And when we know him, we love him. When we love him, we will trust him. When we trust him, we obey him. And Jesus says when we obey, then he shows himself to us even more. So now we know him more. So we can know, love, trust, and obey. Know, love, trust, and obey. This is an increasing, deepening relationship with God. This is what it means to walk in relationship with God. And the only time this breaks down is when we don't do our part, which is out of trust to simply choose to obey. God takes care of the rest in it, and as long as we do, he continues to take us deeper. This is based in proximity, not quantity. It's being with him and knowing, loving, trusting, and obeying. Now, the other part of this is not just that we're created to love God, we're created to love others. And so he calls us out of the love he has for us to risk in relationship with others and to serve others, to seek more for them than from them. And, and then when we do that, we get to know them more. When we know them more, we actually love them more. We can risk and serve and know and love, and we continue in this journey. And for those of you who've been tracking the last two weeks, you know that these are not two separate circuits. You can't have one without the other. If, if we say we love God but don't love people, we really don't love God. If we try to love people without the love of God, that is too complicated, too messy. We're not able to fully love people rightly or relate to them rightly without the love of God. But it is God who seeks to demonstrate his love to us and through us so that we will live in this dynamic with others but at the same time in the dynamic with, with him. And it's a proximity issue, being with him. And this begins to point to the two things that we are free to be. See, God does not measure quality by quantity, instead by proximity. That's true. I think the fundamental question is, okay, how do we live into that? How do we even know that? Well, when Jesus started his public ministry, he did something very intentionally. And and Mark captures this and writes it down in chapter 3. Here's what he said. He said, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that, they might, and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Okay, so, so right here we begin to get this glimpse into the two realities that we are free to be. I mean, this is a statement, this is a historical statement about the narrative of Jesus. He did this reality, but it also gives us insight into the two things we're free to be. Do you see them? The first of which is to be with him. First is to be with, and the second is then to be sent. It's to be with and to be sent. In fact, if you're still tracking your note guide, Jesus frees us to be with and to be sent. We are free to be with and to be sent. That's the reality. When we are with him, we take on his attributes. We are with him, we take on his purpose, and then we live out his purpose in life out of the identity that we have in him. So track with me back to the easel. When Jesus called and equipped the disciples, he did so by by first positioning them to to be with him and then send them. First to be with, then to be sent. Out of being with, they are empowered, positioned, and equipped to be able to be sent. Connected, related, not one without the other, but this leading to the other. Being able to know him positions us to be able to make him known. If we don't spend time with him, we can't make him known. We don't have the power that he provides out of the love that he gives to live in this part of the paradigm. It's too complex. The the reality is that, that there are expectations that people have of us in this, and when we're bound by those expectations, we get caught up in the complexity, and it's very difficult. But when we are bound by our by his expectations 
and we are identified in him, well, then this gets more simple, even though it's still messy in that paradigm. But we have to know him in order to make him known. Think about it this way. If I were to ask this gentleman to step up here on platform and ask you to introduce him to the person sitting next to you, could you do it? No, you couldn't. I couldn't even do it. I don't know who this guy is. But the reality is, in order to make somebody known, you got to know them. And you know them by being with them. When you're not with them, you don't know them, and then you don't know how to make them known. And the same thing is true spiritually. Let me give a more practical example of this, uh, of the principle. So my family ordered some takeout food from a local pizza place. And I was tasked with the, with the responsibility to go and get it. But I wasn't present when the order was made. So when I went to pick up the food, I didn't know what was ordered or what name it was ordered under. Which is a problem when you're trying to pick up food at a takeout place. You can't walk in there and say, I'm here to pick up something for someone. It doesn't work that way. And it's really hard to be who we're supposed to be and to do what we're supposed to do when we don't know him. When we don't spend time with him. And Jesus frees us to be with and ultimately to be sent. And and we are free to be. And when we're free to be, well then, man, there's impact out of our life. We're with him, that leads to being sent, that leads to an impact that ripples beyond us. This is really why the Great Commission is what it is. The Great Commission is the, those, some of those final instructions that Jesus gave his disciples before he left. And here's what he said. He said, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to do everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always to the end of the age. That's the Great Commission. Now, it's with and sent. Now, the Great Commission is not the greatest commandment, but the Great Commission is a reflection of the greatest commandments. The two greatest commandments are to love God and love others. And the Great Commission is the expression of loving God and loving others as we are with and then sent. We're with in this dynamic, we're with in this dynamic, but it's empowered by our relationship with God that allows us to go and do exactly what he's asked us to do. And as a church family, this paradigm... And the Great Commission and the two greatest commandments, they're reflected in what we, when we talk about a second gap reality. A second gap. And this is something, for those of you who walked in the Heritage family for a while, this is familiar to you. But for some of you, this is a new concept. And I want to take a moment to review it. And for those of you that do get this, it's a good review. For those of you that don't, this is new information you need to understand about how we're free to be. So here's how this works. You see, God, as we already said, loves us enough to create us. And he does that because he wants relationship with us. He loves us. The problem is in this world, because of sin, there's a gap between us and God. He's holy. We're not. Holiness can't hang with unholiness. But he loves us enough to find a way through that. And he did that through Jesus. By Jesus' life and death and resurrection, Jesus paid a debt for the sin that we couldn't pay so that we can have an opportunity to step into relationship with God, that we believe in our heart and profess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. We're saved, and that's awesome. And out of that salvation, we get to have relationship with God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful, wonderful thing. But here's the cool part. That Holy Spirit then empowers us to live. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is available to us. That's, that rocks. And, and we're empowered, but not just empowered to live saved. We're empowered to live sent. To, to be with, but to be sent. And we're sent into the world, into relationships with people where we faithfully risk so that they can have an opportunity to live in a relationship. Now, here's the de- challenge, though. There is a gap between us and others in this world. 
There are, there are relational gaps, racial gaps, demographic gaps, language gaps, you name it, all kinds of gaps exist between us and other people. And if we think we can stand here and just yell across the gap and say, hey, come and get it over here, it doesn't really work that way. We're actually called to go across the second gap, to build bridges across the second gap, to, to risk in that faithful risk reality out of the authentic love that God has for us. And we build those bridges. We come alongside people where we meet real needs. We, we communicate the, the love that we have for them because of the love that God has for us. And in those spaces, we're really living out that Matthew 25 paradigm where, where Jesus talks about the sheep and the goats, that whatever we do for the least of these, we do for him. And when we build bridges here, that positions people to be able to step here and on their own to make this decision. And where they step into the bottom part of the circuit, and then they in turn also live out the top part of the circuit. See, this, this concept is reflected in these two circuits. It's with God and sent by God. It's saved and sent it's relationship with him, but relationship with others, building bridges, serving, coming alongside so that they can make their own choice to step into relationship with God and then live out their purpose as well. It's a beautiful, wonderful thing. But it's first here. It's first here that it positions us to be able to live here. In this paradigm up here, this is messy. It's complex. But again, when we are bound to God and his expectations, we're not beholding to the expectations of others. We're living out of his love through us. And that allows us to live in this complexity very differently when we actually understand that the source of our ability to do that is that we have been with him. And just as Jesus called those disciples to be with him and then send him, them, so too are we in the same way sent. That's the reality of what it means to walk in relationship with him. Now, I know some of you are thinking, me? You are, like, you're included in it? Yes, you absolutely are. And, and this thing is not a burden. This is, this is not an extra thing to add to your to-do list. This is a direct expression of the love of God to us and through us. And when we live this out, man, it's a wonderful adventure where God shows up and it's ultimately all about him. It's not about us. But we can struggle with our worthiness and we can struggle with thinking we've got to be something. Yeah, we've got to accomplish something in order to have a relationship with God rather than just be in relationship with God and let him position us. Let's take a look at what Paul writes to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And this is in your note guide. It's also up here on the screen. But let me just walk through this for a moment. He says this. He says, take a good look, friends, at who you were when you got called into this life. I don't see many of the brightest and the best. It's kind of an awkward way to instruct. But listen, Paul spent a lot of time with the Corinthian church. He knew them, and he loved them. And so he's speaking the truth in love. And he says, not the brightest or the best among you, not many influential, not many from high society families. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses, chose those nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies. That makes it quite clear that none of you can get by with blowing your own horn before God. Everything that we have, everything that we have, right thinking, right living, a clean slate, a fresh start. I mean, these would be the things like we talked about redemption last week, being bought back or, or bought out. It's sanctification, it's holiness. All, all that stuff comes from God by way of Jesus Christ. That's why we have the saying, if you're going to blow a horn, blow a trumpet for God. Listen, our freedom 
The fact that we are free to be is not about us doing whatever we want, but about us being positioned to live into who God created us to be in the first place, to be all that he created us to be. And we may not be the brightest, we may not be the most successful, but he loves each of us uniquely. In fact, I can quite confidently say that he loves you and he is especially fond of you. He's especially fond of you. And if, if you struggle in that paradigm, you got to hear me. It was the theologian and philosopher Augustine. He said this. He said, God loves each of us as if there were only one of us. As if there were only one of us. God loves you. He is especially fond of you. But I get that for some of you, you have a hard time accepting that. You have a hard time working through the fact that you've made mistakes, you have regrets, you struggle with shame, you're still struggling with some stuff even now, and, and you struggle to hear that he's especially fond of you. But I know that. I've been there. But he loves you, and he's especially fond of you. In fact, if you've got your note guide, I'd love for you to grab it and turn to the very back page, because I've included some information that I want to encourage you to know and understand. It's really who we are in Jesus Christ that we are accepted, that we are secure, that we're significant. And there's scriptures that support those realities. And if you struggle to understand that he loves you, you struggle to accept the fact of who you are in him, that he has freed you to be with him and to be sent by him, I encourage you to read through those scriptures, memorize them, commit them to heart so that you will know who you are in him. And if you're online, you can access the electronic note guide to get that, or you can go to livesent.today and find that information there. Because you need to know who you are in Jesus so that you are positioned to be free. Free to be. It's a wonderful reality. It's because of his love for us. But that love that he has for us has a greater purpose that matters in this life and the next. And it even matters today. Because fundamentally, who, who we become is determined by what we do with love. Who we become is determined by what we do with love. By what we do with what? By with what we do with love. Listen, how you handle love, how, we, how you and I handle love, whether we receive it or reject it, whether we hoard it or pass it, it defines us. We will be what we do with love. It, it affects our character. It defines our relationships. It, it defines our eternity. And love defines us. So who we become is determined by what we do with love. And that's either really encouraging to you or disconcerting concerning. But understand that Jesus frees us to be with him and then sent by him. In fact, he's very clear about this reality of being sent, having, having been with, and the empowerment that we have out of it. It's, it's in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 that he very specifically, it's captured the words that describe this. Here's what it says. These are the words of Jesus. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus is declaring this with and sent reality with a Judea, a Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth reality. In some ways, you could say it's locally, regionally, and globally that we are sent. It's this, it's this rippling reality, almost like a, how an earthquake ripples across the ground. In fact, that's a very interesting metaphor for me. Because most of the time when we think about an earthquake, we talk about an earthquake, we talk about the source or the center of the earthquake being the epicenter, right? But the epicenter is the source of an earthquake. But in reality, that's not the source of the earthquake. The source of the earthquake is actually something much deeper and below where the epicenter is. It's called the hypocenter. It's called the hypocenter or the focus. 
See, an earthquake, all that power and, and energy is, is built up in the rock at the hypocenter. And when the hypocenter releases that energy, that translates to an epicenter on the surface. This is what we see. But the power comes from what is unseen. And that epicenter will ripple and, and create an impact and influence across the top. But the source of that energy, the source of that power is not the epicenter, it's the hypocenter. And there's a very similar reality when it comes to our relationship with God and our ability to live for him. The source of the power is not what's seen in the physical world. It's what comes from the hypocenter. It comes from our time with him. So this reality translates to this principle here. This is our hypocenter. As we know him, love him, trust him, and obey him, this is where the power of God begins to be developed in our life. This is where we begin to look more and more like Jesus. This is where he positions us, where he's able to work through us in ways we never expected, and his power is released through our life, and it's impacting other people's lives, and it's transformational. This is how the world has changed. But it starts here. It doesn't start here. It starts in the hypocenter, and it's seen in the ripple out of the epicenter. But this requires us to be with. And Jesus frees us to be with and to be sent. But that power comes from the hypocenter. Being, being free, the reality that we are free to be, it's not ultimately about us, but about God working through us. His power at work in us. And again, God doesn't measure quality by quantity. He measures it by proximity. That's being with. And we need to be with him in order to rightly relate to others, to live out the upper part of those circuits. I find it really interesting that it's in Acts 1-8 that Jesus talks about that ripple of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. And, and in reality, after he said that, the, his followers, they ended up staying in Jerusalem. They didn't ripple out beyond so what ends up happening in Acts 8, verse 1, not, not Acts 1, 8, that's the rippling part. Acts 8, verse 1, God allows persecution upon the believers that forces them to go out and be sent. See, either we step in obedience that out of being with him we go, or he will orchestrate and facilitate circumstances that force us to go. I recommend not waiting. <laughs> I recommend investing in the with piece and then live out the go piece, the sent reality, before he has to force you. Because the reality is, he has positioned you already to impact and influence people around you. But if you're not investing in the hypocenter, if you're not allowing that to be the source by which you go, you're going to miss out. I, listen, I get the tension. It is, it is a wonderful, beautiful place to hang in the hypocenter, to hang at the bottom, be with God. Peter struggled with that. He was on the mountain at the Transfiguration. He's like, hey, let's set up shelters and just stay on this mountaintop experience. It's awesome. I get that. But we are free to be with and free to be sent. But listen, again, I know some of you are saying, no, not me. Not me. He doesn't want me to do that. You're actually, you're thinking back to Mark chapter 3 where Jesus, where it said that Jesus called those he wanted and you're going, he doesn't want me. He doesn't want me because of what I've messed up, because of the things I've done, how much I've rebelled, even the stuff I'm struggling in now. He doesn't want me, and nobody else wants me, so I, I'm stuck in the middle just doing my own thing. Listen, that is not true. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Jesus died so that all of us have an opportunity to be with him, so that we can be free to live, free to love, free to be, free to be with, and free to be sent. That's the transformational reality of what God does in our life through Jesus. And when we're with him, 
man, things start to change. Hanging in that hypocenter, things start to change in our life. We start to be transformed. And when we're with him, with him is like, that's when we travel. It's when we're talking to him and we're just asking questions. We're crying out to him. We're waiting on him. We're sitting in stillness. We're, you name it, being with him is spending time with him, letting him transform us. And, and, and when we are with him, he changes us. This is not about like perfection. This is about being in position so that he can transform us and then deploy us into a place where he can use us. And when we hang with him, when we sit in that hypocenter reality, we are changed. And people begin to notice. They want to know the reason for the hope that we have. This happened to the disciples. In fact, Peter and John, they got scooped up and they were being interrogated and questioned by some religious leaders. And those religious leaders noticed a couple of things. They noticed they had courage and they noticed they were uneducated, but then they noticed a third reality. We can find this in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. This is not in your guide. It's just up here on the screen. Check this out. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been, what? With Jesus. Yeah, buddy. With Jesus. With Jesus in the hypocenter space so that the epicenter is different, so it's unexplainable. Like, this doesn't match up to your education. This doesn't match up to your life. You did this, but you're able to do this. Listen, this is what it means to be with and then to be sent. It, when we're with Jesus, we are transformed, and people begin to notice, and it's about him and not us. So, so what? Let me take this to what we do with this out of this, and I simply want to invite all of us to consider who we will be in light of who we've been with. Who will you be because of who you've been with? Now think about this with me for a moment. This could be who we're with now or who we're supposed to be with next in proximity. And the reality is until we live into the fullness of this particular diagram and both ends of the circuit, we will never be who we're created to be. We will never actually live in the freedom and fullness of who Jesus has freed us to be until we live into both. But it starts here. And some of you today have an opportunity to actually be with God through Jesus Christ, to cross that first gap because you've never done it before. You, you've heard about God. You believe in God. You've heard about Jesus. You, you accept and like, believe he died, but you haven't accepted him. You haven't given him authority in your life, and that's the place you need to start. And so you're going to be different because you will be with him. And I want you to know if you haven't done that, today you can. You can, you can today receive him as Savior and Lord, and you can be with him, and you can be sent by him with great purpose. In your note guide is a prayer and some simple steps for you to take that step on your own, and you need to do it when you're ready. But he's waiting for you to step into a process of knowing him and loving him and trusting him and obeying him, being with him. I realize that some of you, you've made that decision, but you still have not functioned in proximity. You have not been with. You've been too busy. You've been kind of hurt by something he allowed in your life. You've been questioning some, some facts or things about truth. But what, you just haven't been with him. You believe, but you haven't had proximity. And without proximity, you're missing out on the freedom and the power that comes to live in this life in relationship with him and in relationship with others. And so for some of you today, it's about actually taking time this week to be with him. Just be with him. Sit in stillness. Dig into the word of God. Pray. Read the Bible morning or night. Those moments create the, the opportunity to sit and be with him. And some of you need to do that because you do believe, but you haven't been with. Beyond that, there's a few 
who God has been wanting and pushing for you to faithfully risk and to be with others, to, to bridge the second gap, to find a way to bridge the barriers, to come alongside people and out of the love that he has for you, love them. Serve them, get to know them, have an increasing love for them that allows you to live in this posture with them so that they ultimately can choose to live in this circuit themselves and then in turn, not only be with, but to be sent. And all he's waiting for you to do is step in his power by the power of the Holy Spirit and to risk in love and to serve in love. And you just need to take that step. And some of you are already thinking who that person is. And I challenge you this week to make intentional, prayerful steps to live into that so that you're not just with, but that you're also sent. Because that's how we're free to be. We are free to be with and we're free to be sent. And we can't love well if we're not with people. But the complexity of being with people requires us to live in this paradigm. It requires the hypocenter reality. If you try to do this without this, it's a wild ride that you're going to struggle on in. But out of the hypocenter, the epicenter becomes the transformation through the power of the love of God at work in us by the Holy Spirit. And it's an awesome thing. So who will you be because of who you've been with? Will you join me as I pray and we step back into worship together through song? Heavenly Father, I thank you that it is through Jesus that we can have life and life to the full. Lord, I am, I am so grateful that while we were still stuck in sin, you sent your son Jesus to die. You demonstrated your love for us through him and that through his sacrifice, his life, his death, his resurrection, we get to have relationship with you. That rocks. But Lord, I pray that you would help us understand we're not just saved to be saved, we're saved to be sent. That we would be free, free to be with and free to be sent. We would live into that in its fullness and that we would trust you and we'd look to you and we'd spend time with you so that we can actually take you into relationship with others that as we're with you, we're positioned to step into the other part of that circuit. So Lord, as we each consider who we're gonna be in light of who we've been with, because I realize some of us are with people we shouldn't be right now. There's unhealthy relationships. That needs to end. Some of us lack relationship with you. Some of us lack the time of being with you so that we're empowered to live in this world on the surface in a manner that you can work through. But Lord, I, I just pray that you'd continue to help us to submit to your authority, to having our identity in you and we, would, and we would be positioning you to work in and through us in ways we never expected by your power. Lord, I pray these things in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen.